These twigs that you see here today, really and truly, as they say, they're fruit. I mean, it, it tells you right on, on the package, it says, if you buy this, you're going to get fruit. Well, I've checked it over and I looked it over and I have not found any fruit yet. In fact, I'm not sure really they're alive. I, I'm not sure that that because there's no leaves, there's nothing. And so when we start on this journey that we've talked about, the seasons of your life, the very first one that I have to begin with and the very first one that God begins with in your life is called winter. Winter. It is, it is, as you grow, one of the most exciting seasons, but it is also one of the most horrible seasons. Let me explain some things about winter that will help us as we jump into this. Two things right off at first about winter. Notice now, winter does not produce any visible fruit. Winter time in your life, the winter of your life, there is nothing visible that anyone can look at and say that you're doing good. And that's horrible. Because you'll be looking at other people's lives and man, they're, they're in a spring. And they're, they're in harvest time, and man, they just got a raise, or there's something just happened in there. They haven't had COVID, and, and here you are, and like how your whole house got COVID, and, and you're like, are we cursed? Is there something? Why is it happening to us? Well, I mean, we got nothing to show for all we're doing. We're, we're supposed to be fruitful, but right now in our lives, I don't see anything happening. Anybody ever go through those moments? in your life, at school, in, in different aspects of your life. Listen to me. It produces no visible fruit in the wintertime of your life. Let me tell you something else about winter. It cannot produce fruit, and you will never produce fruit without this season happening. Without a winter in your life, you will never, ever produce any fruit. You're not going to just wake up one day and all of a sudden just be poof. I don't care who you ever talk to or any person you're ever around, they're going to tell you that what makes them what they are and the reason they're the success that they are today, the reason they work as hard as they do or the reason they're as committed or whatever it may be, they're going to tell you the story doesn't start with a smile. The story starts with tears. The higher the person goes, it's going to start with a lot of commitment, dedication, and moments where nobody knew their name. And nobody thought they could do it. And nobody hardly believed in them. And it was just as easy to quit as it would have been to keep going. In your life, you're going to have to realize that even God, when he created the world, did not start with the world. He started with no light, no sun, and chaos. And he said, it was winter when I started. There was no light, no sun, no moon, no anything. And I began to speak out of the winter of this. All the materials were there. God didn't just say, okay, I'm just going to create 
land. No, he said, I'm separating. The land was there. Everything was there when it was there. And he said, I'm going to separate the water from the land. I'm going to allow this to happen. Why? He said, all the materials are there, but the season now has to change. It's got to come out of its winter, but it has to have a winter. Do you know that right now, even even all these years, thousands of years later since the world was created and designed when God reformed and reaffashioned and everything that we have, do you realize that all of that time created the oil that we use, that created the gases that we use. All the stuff we pumped from underground took place because God said, I had to produce something that would, you could use thousands of years later. You didn't even understand it or know it, but it was a winter season that took place. Go with me in your Bible to Philippians 3, verses 12 through 16. Philippians 3, verses 12 through 16. Listen to what the Bible says. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. That I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended anything, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Listen to what he says. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind that if in anything you think otherwise... God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. He says, listen, everything that I have, I've had to grow into this. I haven't perfected it yet, but I'm a long ways from where I started And those that are maturing understand they didn't get there by accident. They got there because of the process that God had put them through. And he said, I am still in the process and I'm not going to quit the process. When the glory fades on our life, listen to me. It's sad to see, isn't it? Anybody a little older and you started to notice when the glory started fading from you and the wrinkles started replacing the smooth skin? Anybody ever ever go through the fading? And when we talk about it spiritually, listen, it, it is really difficult. It is, it is very difficult. But listen, unless the seed is placed in the ground, it will never, unless it dies, the Bible says, it will never produce the fruit that it's meant to produce. The seed has to die in the ground. God describes us as branches. He says, you're a branch. On this tree that I am, this tree that's planted, and I am the main trunk of the tree, you are the branch. Well, then, Brother Lot, how in the world do we become the branches that God wants us to be? What is Paul talking about in Philippians when he talks about these branches and he talks about, and he's talking about us, us maturing and growing? Let me put it this way. There are two areas. You can pull these up. I want you to write these down. There are two areas of becoming a good branch on the tree God has for you. Number one is this. A good branch always remains in the vine every single day. A good branch 
has the understanding that I cannot be separated from the tree at any time. The moment I'm separated, I'm going to die. The moment I'm not connected, even though I may look dead, as long as I'm attached to the tree, that is the main source and the main key to my life. The second thing is simply this. Let go then of everything else. The good branch learns to let go of everything else, even the success of past harvests. What are you talking about, pastor? I'm going to explain it. So two things that I have to do, I have to make sure I'm first what? Connected. And the second thing is, even when I, I, I've went through a har, I want to get back to harvest, I have to realize to do what? Don't let go even when harvest is past. The glory of the branch, the glory of a branch does not exist in its fruit. Listen to me. The glory of a branch does not exist in its fruit. Now, that's what we like, right? We like the fruit. But the glory, the power of a branch does not exist in its fruit. It does not exist in its leaves. It does not exist in the blooms. It does not exist in anything that it ever produces. The glory of a branch is simply only in the relationship it has to the tree itself. See, we forget that. We look at it like, well, I, I must not know God. Uh, no, know God and quit looking at all the other stuff. Oh, if, if I was where I was supposed to be, I'd have leaves on right now. If I, if I knew God the way I was supposed to, I don't even know why I go to church. It, it don't seem like it. Look at me. It don't seem like it's doing any good. Nothing seems to be happening. Listen, your relationship is the only thing that really matters. When I, when I spoke that video a while ago and I told you that at 18, 19 years old, I, I left everything, came back to God. Listen, the only thing that matters was not growing all seasons. The only thing that mattered was not producing and being a great pastor. The only thing that mattered was that I surrendered my life completely and totally to the fact that for the next whole rest of my life, I will stay connected to the tree. That was the only promise. I, I didn't have any, any great ability, no great, I couldn't play any instruments. I couldn't, I wasn't this, this great traveling salesman of an evangelist. I didn't even like people. You know, you kind of need to have that, hey, he will make a great preacher. Man, look at that dude. He can talk to anybody. I didn't have any of that. I had one thing. And I said, God, I make this one promise. I won't ever let go of you. That's the only thing I can bring. Others may quit. Others may stop. Others may slow down. Others may say it's too big. Others may say I can't. But I give you this one promise in my life. I will keep holding on to you and believing for whatever it is you tell me. Whatever big it seems, I'm not going to let go of the tree. And it made all the difference... David said it this way. He said, I'm a mystery to people. And I, I know what that feels like. I'm a mystery. Why? Because you're not supposed to be here. There's people that went to major colleges and people who have great educations and, and people that can talk a whole lot and they can even pronounce the names in the Bible. Why are you here? 
Maybe just, maybe God, the most important thing is not all those things. Maybe the most important thing is that God can count on that I won't let it go of Him. It's tough. Listen, this rule of hanging on, holding, not letting go, remains the same in all the seasons that you go through. Everything else will change. Seasons are going to change. There's some seasons, man, I feel like I'm on top of the world producing fruit and people are getting saved and everything's going good. And then there's seasons I go through where it's fall and I got, you know, fruit, but it's not ready. There's spring when it's just a bunch of leaves and it's like, I don't know. The only true worship, the only true worship is, is not giftings but that Jesus is the source of everything and that has to be what you point toward every day of your life. Listen to me very carefully. You that are here, you may be going through winter moments of your life. I'm going to tell you the only thing that matters is that you hold on to Him because the life is in Him. You may not see how it's going to work out. You may see like, like I don't see how God's ever going to fix this. It's not for you to worry about. The branch's only glory is that it never lets go of the tree. Why do you think the devil works so hard to get you to do one thing? And those of you that ever thought about quitting, stopping, what's the only thing the devil ever asks from you? Just let go. I don't need you to, I don't need you to be a bad person. Because that's what you'll tell when somebody kind of lets go and falls away. You're kind of like, man, we met. hey, I'm still doing good. I just want y'all to know I still love y'all. I just let go. I don't want you to think I'm doing anything wrong. I just don't pray anymore. I just don't read my Bible anymore. I, I, ain't, I ain't hurt nobody. I, I ain't done anything, Pastor. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm still doing good. Only one thing I've done wrong. I just let go. But it's the only thing to a branch that matters. In Philippians 3, Paul talks about this. When he says, you know, there's people who talk about what they can do and what they, he said, look, I was a Pharisee. I was baptized on the eighth, circumcised on the eighth day. He said, I, I, can, I, was, I was a Jew among Jews. He goes through all these lists and he says, none of it mattered. He said, I let go. I let go of every single bit of it. You let go of all, I let go of everything just to hang on to him. I let go of every single thing, every degree I ever had, everything that somebody said is important. He said, I let it all go just so that I can say that all I have is Jesus. I'm hanging on to Jesus. If I lose everything else, I got Jesus. If I'm on a boat that's fixing to sink, I'm going down because I'm going down to find Jesus. If, if, if anything I'm going through, if I'm locked up in a prison, I'm going to sing. Why? Because the only thing I got to sing to is Jesus. It, whatever I'm going through, it's going to be Jesus. He's the only thing I have left that I can grab to and say it's all I got. But it made all the difference. It brought him out of a shipwreck. It brought him through snake bites. It brought him through stonings. It brought him through beatings. It brought him through jails and prisons. It brought him through all sorts of trouble and trial. Why? Because he understood that with Jesus, I'm victorious. The glory always fades. 
Look at that person beside you and say, the glory always fades. No matter what, you, if you get a new car, it'll fade. There are moments you're going to feel so high. Isn't it good to feel good? Isn't it good to get that raise? But then a year later, somebody else got a raise, now you need a better raise. Isn't it great? I mean, it doesn't matter what it is in life, it's always that it's going to fade. It's going to fade. I don't like it. I want to, I want to stay harvest all the time. I want to pick 24-7 for the rest of my life. It won't happen. The glory fades. Watching my kids grow up, there are highs and lows and moments of grandeur and in moments where, oh, it's just seasons. At work, at job, even being a pastor, there's seasons. Listen, we all love the harvest. When it does not start, and when, when, when it starts to die off and the fruit stops producing, I know what you think. You think the same thing I do. If, if it's your kids, you're in that good season. They're all in the back seat. And they're all playing games together. And it's just, I mean, they're all at the house. And then all of a sudden that season's changing. And one wants the keys. And you're just going to try harder to hold on to them, right? They're not getting away. We're going we're gonna to keep this season. No, you're not. In pastoring, I go through the same thing, man, with church will be at a point to where, oh, man, we are really rolling now. We got it going. Everything is good. If we could just stay right here, all the classes are working. Everybody likes everybody. I ain't got to have no counseling sessions right now. The world is wonderful. And I just say that because of other churches. Ours stays perfect all the time. I'm just saying if it, if it did happen. But seasons change. And, and I think to myself, I just got to preach harder. We just got to get that music ramped up a little better. If we get that music ramped up a little better, then that'll keep everybody good and everybody will get back to happy and we'll all be. And, and, but you know what? No matter how great the singing, no matter how good or bad the preaching Sometimes even all seasons has to go back through a new season. And I watch people walking in like, oh, church. I'm like, God, are we going to be like this for? It don't seem like it was eight years ago we built something, does it? It's, it's just like, it's like, oh, we, we, we did something. We, we built. And then, and then it's amazing. Everything goes through its season. And, and you can't, no matter how hard you fight, no matter how much you want to stop it, no matter how much you want to change it, your life, churches, everything will go through seasons. The question is, what am I going to do? What am I going to do when winter comes? What do you do if you're a pear tree in wintertime? What are you thinking? You say, Pastor, I can't do anything about it. Nope. You're going to go through some seasons of tears. You're going to go through some seasons. Let me, let me give you the first thing, a couple things that you need to not do when you go through winter. Number one, when winter comes, number one, don't lament. Look at the person beside you and say, quit crying. 
Understand that if winter's coming, it's telling you the next season of your life is what? Spring. Spring is on its way. If I'm going through a winter, God's not going to let me die in the winter. He's going to bring me through unto my spring. Listen, what happened? Is it me? What's wrong? Forget it. I've got to, I've got to fix it somebody. I'll just hide it. Hey, how are you doing? I love that new song, Christian song that just come out. It's talking about winter. When it says, how are you doing? Fine. How's everything going? Fine. How are you doing? Great. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Every, and he says, really, on the inside, I'm broken. What's he describing? He said, I, I used to, man, people used to like to hear me sing, and they used to like, well, oh, how's everything? Man, it's so good. God's blessed. He said, but guess what? I went through a winter, and he's writing a song about a moment of his life where he's thinking, I'll just work harder, or I'll just try, or I'll act like it didn't happen, or I'll just try to, to, to do something. I'll blame the devil. That's always a good one in the Christian community. What's happening? Well, the devil's just been just, just wearing me out. No. Winter isn't brought on by the devil. Winter's brought on by God. God brings you into winter. The devil doesn't control the seasons of your life. The devil's not in control of the moments of your life. It's God who directs the steps of the righteous. It's God who walks you to the next place. It's God who said from the beginning that there will always be seasons. There will be seed time and harvest. He's the one who directed all of that. And I know this isn't like jumping preaching, but listen to me. If you get this in your mind, it will help you walk for 20-something years into the next season of something great in your life. It'll help you walk through your child-rearing years without giving up. It'll help you walk through your marriage without saying it's always going to be like this. No, it's not. You're going to go through seasons and moments and moments of your life, but get, let me guarantee you that those seasons will move one to the other as long as you do what you're supposed to do in that season. And number one, Quit crying. Quit crying. You're in winter. And no matter how much crying you do, and no matter how much fussing you do, and no matter how much arguing I do, I can fast and pray and say, God, I rebuke it. And God says, rebuke on, Tim. Do it, boy. Now sit down, hush. Because you're in winter, and the devil didn't do it to you. I've got you here. Isn't it amazing how when winter comes, how we see it so differently? Because we're so wanting just harvest all the time. Think about a farmer. What does a farmer do after the harvest? Is he, is he sad? Is he upset? Is he depressed? No, a farmer feels victorious. In wintertime... It's a victorious time. You get to think of all the things that you've done before, all the things that God's brought you through, all the victories. Think about in your life right now, all the times that you thought you weren't going to make it. Think about your life, all the time people said you wouldn't go any further. You wouldn't amount to anything. Think of all the times. And then look at you and realize you're still here. How many times you said to yourself, I'm not going to make it. And you made it. Well, I'm not everything. Well, what did Paul say? I'm not perfected yet. 
But I'm a lot more mature than I used to be. See, a farmer feels victorious. He doesn't cry or feel sad. He feels relieved. Did you feel relieved when you went into your last winter? Like, whew. See, I did. I went through winter when we built stuff and, 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 and we were doing ministries and all that. Man, it was so awesome. I was like, whew, we are, we'll lay that thing down. We started enjoying and man, we come in here to have services and God is blessing and the church is growing and, and I'm like, oh, this is where I want to stay forever. God says, you can't stay here forever. And I always tell you about five or six years. Why? Because my battery gets low about five or six years. How long does it take for you? I don't, some of y'all, some of y'all are pretty good. Some of y'all can, can, can do one something. And it, it'll last you for like 30 years. Well, I, I remember back when I was 12, I did that. Man, I've been living off that one trophy I won. I'm thinking, that's pretty good. I, I don't do as well. I need a victory every now and then to, to remind me I'm still... When was the last time you were bearing fruit? When was the last time you was like, man, I was, that was good. That was a good season. How long ago was it? How long ago you've been living off of it? Don't lament. He feels relieved, not mad or embarrassed. Because it's embarrassing sometimes, isn't it? I mean, I can go around other preachers and, and, and what you doing, Tim? Oh, nothing. Man, we, we've been doing this during this COVID. Boy, it was really hard on ministers. Because what you doing? Man, we we not even. And every minister I meet now, they ask the same question. Y'all back yet? Y'all y'all having Sunday school yet? Y'all y'all meeting yet? I'm like, yeah, we're we're meeting. And I can tell when I tell somebody, yeah, we're doing Sunday school. We're we're going. We're we got kids' church going. And oh man, we 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 just we probably got about 20, 50 percent of people coming now. We it's been a. I know I, I've been there. I used to go to camp meeting when I run 30 people. How you doing down there in Forest, Tim? Oh, we, we're doing great. How many are you running now? As many as I can catch. I just try to come up with catchy phrases, not have to tell them. It's like, you don't even want to know the ones I've caught. I'm not even sure I caught them. Nobody likes winter because it's embarrassing, isn't it? How's your marriage? Ah, we we just doing. How's your job? Ain't fired me yet. It's 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 embarrassing when there's no nothing coming off the tree, and it and it bothers you because you want to be able to say, "Oh man, last week I did this," and I'm telling you, it's just it's all. And then somebody else looks at you, and their life is like that. They're in a spring or a summer or fruit. You're like, what did I do wrong? I'm not supposed to be here. What did I do wrong? We look at ministries throughout the world, and I, I get tickled sometimes. I, and I don't want to sound negative toward these ministries. I just, I know how hard it is to transition out of seasons. I'm a huge John Hagee fan. Huge, grew up watching John Hagee. And the other day, I, I was watching him, and you know, he's done got old. 
I mean, I, I don't mean it ugly. They got him sitting on, in a desk on the stage and his son sitting off to the side who's got the same haircut, looks just like him. And I'm thinking, come on, John. I'm like, come on, man, let it go. See, if you'd have looked at him 20 years ago, he'd have said, man, I was the pastor. I was writing books. I was the man. He was. John Hagee, man, he was, he was cooking. And now that season is fading. He can't even stand anymore. He's got he's sitting in a desk and his son's sitting there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm thinking, he's never going to be you, John. He's, he's probably better than you. If you, just let, if you just let him go and do his ministry, you say, how do you know that? Because I know Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen was the cameraman for his dad. He was over the electronics for his dad. When his dad got cancer, his dad had a 7,000-person church in, in, in that area. He was, he was one of the, John uh, uh, Osteen was like an incredible, I've got a lot of his sermons and books, an incredible preacher. And he died of cancer. He died. What happened? Joel stepped right in there, bought the largest building in Houston, Texas. Now he's got 50,000 members. And I watch ministries that are trying to transition their kids or transition their cousins. And, you know, Lord, I think of Memphis. And the best TV preacher in Memphis has been dead for 15 years. They still play his videos on TV. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you, it's hard when seasons change. Ministries like anything else, like your life, go through seasons. We celebrate those seasons. Don't lament them. Don't quit trying. Don't think I'll work harder. I'll, I'll, I'll realize seasons change. One of the hardest things is when people come to all seasons. It is very difficult. And I admire all of you who've ever made that transition from other places or, or just from, from your background. Because I don't know what all you heard. And some of the things I hear, I'm like, Lord, have mercy. But, but it's hard because, because people want you to lament change. Farmers don't lament when they've said, man, I've had a harvest. It's time to plant another field. It's time to do something new. Think of the pilgrims celebrating Thanksgiving. We, we do Thanksgiving every year. What was that? Well, Thanksgiving was simply the first year that many of those pilgrims died because they got there late, they weren't able to do the harvest, they weren't able, so they went through a very bad winter. The next year, they were able to plant their gardens. They learned how to grow corn. They found fields. They did this. And at the end of it, when it was getting near winter, the fall of the year, when it was the leaves were not, what did they do? Well, we ain't got nothing else to pick. No. They said, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate the harvest. Let's think about what God gave us. Let's be thankful. The first thing you have to do when you go into winter is you got to quit lamenting what used to be. Some of you ain't ever going to go back to look like you used to look. So just quit, quit thinking that you're going to buy something on TV and it's going to happen. 
Some of you are never going to be the size you used to be. You're never going to go back to high school, so quit telling everybody, I wish I could go back. Quit. Quit Quit crying over what's gone. It's gone. Brother, that hurts my feelings. Quit crying. You are where you are right now. The second thing you have to do is this, is you have to understand it's a reshaping time. Winter is a reshaping time. Nobody likes pruning. But you have to understand that it's in the pruning that you're getting ready for better. You haven't arrived. You haven't perfected. But God's saying during this season, during this winter season, there's nutrients and there's resources and there are things that I need to put in your life to make you to where you can do the next great thing. There's greater things coming in your life. Can you say that confidently the person beside you? You may be in a winter moment, but can you look at them and say, look, I'm going to tell you something. It's winter. But my next season, after I get through all this, what I got to work on and pruning out of me and all this stuff, I'm coming into spring. I'm coming out. Can can you honestly, or do you feel like, I think I'm just going to die right here. I just think it's just always going to be, I'm just never going to even produce leaves. I'm just never going, there's never going to be another happy day like it used to be. Some of you act like that all the time. You're just waiting for somebody to finally just put you out of your misery. Uh, How's it going? I'm hanging in there. Man, you've been hanging in there for eight years. You're just going to keep hanging in there? I guess. It's a time for new, Let, let me give you a fact. When things slow down in your life, When things begin to slow down, God is addressing things inside of you. I hate winter. It's the worst season in some ways. Why? Because I know that when God starts slowing things down, all right, Tim, before we get into all this, before we get rolling and going, before we get, I need to deal with you. Oh, God, I'm fine. We're going to look at you. There's some things that may need to be worked on and nutrient. There, there's something that, 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 that we've got to get some nutrition. We've got to get some pruning. We've got to get some work done on you. See, what we like about spring, summer, and fall is really this. It's when God cuts us loose. Isn't it? In spring, summer, and fall, you're doing something. It's about you using what God has given you to be useful. And that's a fun season. It is so much fun. Hey, I want to use your gift, your talent. Hey, I'm going to. If you're a farmer in the spring, man, you're you're planting and you're going, you're getting it all going. In the summer, you're kind of pruning or as far as as tilling around, making sure nothing gets into the plants, nothing bothers it, keeps it protected. You're working hard. And then in fall, you mean you're picking and it's harvest time and it's all good. But winter is that one season, the only season where God looks at you and says, sit down. You can't do anything. You can't do anything. Oh, but Lord, I, I, if you just if you just open the door, God's like, I'm not opening it. You ain't got enough strength to go through it. If you just if you just, I'm not going to. You're not ready. 
You're going to have to have a time where I can take care. God says, this is my season. You can't do this. Only I can do this in you. It's, it's, it's the one season where God tells you to sit down. And it's the one thing we hate the most. But if you don't let Him, you won't be spiritually prepared for the journey that you, God's got in front of you. So you came to church and you think, well, I'm in church and, and I just need God to, to tell me. I need to go through this membership class, discipleship class. And I just No, the first thing you need to do is let God inspect you. First thing you need to do is just take time to let God prune you. You're ready to already be a part of something, do something. Do you pray at least an hour a day? No. Do you hear, clearly hear God's voice? Not sure. Sometimes I think I hear God. Sometimes I think it's me. We get such a hurry to be doing something. You know what happened when I came back? Well, I just started being a minister for 30-something years. I've been, let me tell you what took place. When I came back at 18, 19 years old, I went to work in a grocery store. And I would preach every now and then as people would call or needed me. And during that time, it was the greatest season. In fact, I tell people all the time, I wish I could go back to that grocery store's. It was the greatest seasons of the world. It was no agenda. I didn't have nobody. To, didn't nobody want me to take care of them, let alone have to take care of It was just me and God. And God saying, Tim, you got to quit talking like that. Tim, you got you to gotta, you gotta get your studying down. Tim, how long a fast you ever been on? I never fasted. You need to start praying and fasting. We need to spend some time together. Some of the greatest moments of my life. Let me put it to you this way. Winter comes. The season can last three years, five years, can last three days. But winter is going to come. It may be a season of loss. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost somebody that's important. Maybe you've lost something in your life. And life just right now doesn't seem, maybe it's your health. Right now you've been healthy all of your life and there's a season where now the doctor is saying, you've got this and you're going to have to go through this and it scares you and you don't like it because you've always been able to do what you want to do and go where you want to go. It, it, it could be even looking for a job or the job that you're in, and it's like, this thing is a dead end, and I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's fixing to take place. There are many seasons. But let me tell you what we're not going to do. We're not going to talk about your reasons. See, when I meet people in winter, what they want to say is, can we sit down and talk, Brother Lot? I just want to explain to you why I'm here. I don't care. You're just here. Yeah, but I just want you to understand. I don't want you to think bad of me. <laughs> I don't think bad of you. You're in winter. 
I don't want you to think I did something wrong. I didn't say you did. I'm just telling you, you're in winter. I just don't want you to look down on me or, or feel, I don't want the church to think anything. We don't. We just know you're in winter. I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about your reasons. Isn't that the funniest person to find when you're in winter? Isn't that who you kind of look for? You kind of find someone else? How's it going? Rough. Me too. No leaves. Man, me neither. I think the whole world's bad. I think we got the wrong president. It's got to be somebody's fault besides just winter. It's got to be a reason for all of this. No, just winter. You just in winter. So since we're not going to talk about the reasons, I want you to ask yourself three questions. Write these down. It's three questions I always ask myself, and I need you to ask yourself in winter. Number one, God, are you preparing me for something? Is God preparing me for something? Because if I'm in winter and all I'm doing right now is sitting and all he's doing right now is building me up and I feel stronger and stronger and stronger because I'm spending more time. I I, I don't have much to to do. I I, I don't have any place to pour it out. But right now, God is like, man, I'm just, I'm I'm writing sermons and I ain't even got time to preach them. I I don't know what's going on, God, but, but is there a reason why you are preparing me for something? Don't ever ask why. Don't ever ask the question, why am I going through this? Because I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. You're never going to get that answer. God will always ask, answer that question with another question. Jesus was notorious for it. They would ask Jesus a question, but it was like, nah, that ain't on my agenda. I'm going to ask you a question. And so what we do in our lives is we want to know, well, tell me why I'm here, God, and I'll fix it. Tell me why. And God's like, you can't fix it. I've put you here because it's a season that I need you to go through. It's a season that I need you to grow. Go with me in your Bibles to John 15, verses 1 through 8, and I'll show you winter. I'll show you winter real quick. Verse 1 says this, I am the true vine... And my father is the what? He's the one who takes care of the trees. I I am the true vine. And my father is the one who does what? Inspects and takes care of the tree. He knows the tree is good, so he's not worried about the tree. But he said he is the vine dresser. He's the one who says, I need to make sure all the limbs are in the place and healthy and where they need to be. Number one, don't ask why, because God chooses the seasons of your life. Your only question is, God, are you preparing me for something? Are you making me, are you getting me ready for something right now? I guess the best way I can explain that is a story of a runner. Years ago, there was a runner who he became a great runner, lived near Chicago. And they asked him once, well, how did, you, how did you get over the hurdle? There are a lot of people who run, run distance. And he, he was a very good distance runner. How did you get? He said, well, it was my coach. He said, when I was 14, 15 years old, there was three of us underclassmen 
and, and, you know, we were always average. We hadn't won a district or won anything in our track and our, our, our long distance for years, eight, ten years. So our coach came to us around November. And he said, guys, I'm going to give you a challenge. So I'm giving all of y'all a challenge. He said, over the next three months, I want you to run 1,000 miles. During this next three months, I want you to run 1,000 miles. Now, I want you to realize that means for over 70 of those days, out of 90-something days, over 70 of those days, they would have to do 14 miles a day. I'm not a math expert, but that's a lot. And this young, these young 14, 15-year-old guys are sitting there, and three of them underclassmen looked at each other and said, let's do it. I don't know if we can do it. He said, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's do it. And for three months, taking the breaks on the other days they were supposed to, but out of over 70 days of those 90 days, they ran 14 miles a day. Rain, and that's in Chicago. Snow, nasty weather during the worst time when everybody else is just resting and getting fat. They're running. That next year, they won their district. That next year, those three did it again, became some of the best runners in their state and went on. What was it? In the wintertime when nobody was looking and nobody was caring, when no, nothing, there was no races to run, when there was nothing, they were allowing God to build them up and allowing the work to be in the rain and the snow and all the time. It wasn't their time that they were worried about. It wasn't being the super fast. It was putting in the nutrients, doing what we're supposed to do to become what God called us to be. He said it made all the difference. Listen, the second question you got to ask is this. Is God pruning something in me? Is God wanting to prune something in me? Go to verse 2 of John 15. So God is in control. He's the vine dresser. He's the one in control. But listen to what it says about Him. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He... And every branch that bears fruit, He... If you're a branch you got two options. Now, this is God. This is Jesus preaching about His Father. He said, you got two options. Listen to me, every person, if you don't catch nothing I say this morning, you catch this. There's two options for your life. Now, you can, you can see this as, Brother Lot, we don't lose our salvation. He just, prune, he just cuts us off because we're useless. Okay. Or you can take it to the nth degree and say, He just cuts us loose from the whole. Whatever way, I don't care. But I want you to realize the extent that He talks about. He says, listen, if you are a branch and I've come by for a year, two years, and I've kept looking at you and you have not produced anything, what is going to happen with us? I'm going to not just clip you back. I'm cutting you off. And I'm going to do what? I'm throwing you away. Now, you can look at that any way you want. I'm just telling you it's what Jesus preached. At, 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 if you want to just take it to the best, that means you'll be sitting in the pew useless. You'll be sitting in your pew useless. 
Because God has come by and said, I've tried to get you involved. I've tried to use you. I've tried to get you off your seat. I've tried to get you to care about my stuff as much, half as much as you care about your stuff. I can't do anything with you. I'm through with you. No, God loves everybody. I'm just telling you what he preached. And he said, well, I'm a good one. I, I try. Well, if you're a good branch and you are active and you are doing and you're, you're a good, I mean, you're, you're faithful to God, then what's going to happen to you? He's still going to cut you. He's still going to carry you through winter and he's still going to cut you back. So that it may bear more fruit. Nelson Mandela, who was an incredible man, became president of Africa. And here's what he said about Nelson Mandela. Listen, Nelson Mandela in, in the book, Nelson Mandela had many teachers in his life, but the greatest of them all was prison. That don't seem right. Nelson Mandela, who became this great man, had many teachers, but the greatest of them was prison. Prison molded the man that we see and know today, the book says. He learned about life and leadership from many sources, but 27 years he spent in prison. Wow. He became the crucible that both hardened him and burned away all that was extra. Prison taught him self-control and discipline and focus, the things he considers essential to leadership, and it taught him how to be a full human being. How did the passionate revolutionary become a measured statesman in prison? He had the temper, his, his response to everything. There was a little a prisoner could control. The one thing you could control that you had a control was yourself. There was no room for outbursts or self-indulgence or lack of discipline. He had no zone of prophecy. There was Then at first, he walked into Mandela's old cell. I gasped. It's not a human-sized space, much less Mandela-sized. He could not stretch out when he was lying down. It was obvious that prison was both literally and figuratively molding him. There was no room for extra motion or emotion. Everything had to be pruned away. Everything had to be pruned away. I used to ask him how prison changed him. How was the man who came out of a 1990 different from the man who entered in 1962. The question annoyed him. He finally said to me, I came out mature. 27 years in prison. And he said, you know what it did? It didn't destroy me. It made me mature. When he came out, he's walked with some of the most mighty people in the world. How can a man, because the molding that God needed in him could not have happened any other way. And God said, if you'll let me in the prison, I will mold you into a statesman that will be remembered. And Tim Lott in 2021 will still be talking about Nelson Mandela. People say, you'll make it through it. You ever have people tell you that? Hey, you'll make it through. But you know, I don't want to just make it through. I want to be changed going through it. Number three, and I'm through, and I'm sorry it's taken, but i got to, got to cover it. 
On the third question God may ask you is this. Does God want to show me something through you? Does God want to show the world something through you? What do you mean, Pastor? Well, listen, sometimes the greatest witness you'll ever have, the greatest light you will ever shine, the greatest sermon you will ever preach is when you go through a hard time. Sometimes your greatest statement is when you go through your testimony. And, and I'm going to say this, and I'm, just, I'm, gonna, I don't, I'm not trying to, but it's kind of odd to me. You know, when the devil came to God and said, look, let me touch Job, let me touch... And, and the devil was allowed to kill his children, allowed to kill... But you know who the devil didn't kill? He didn't kill his wife. And he didn't quit kill his three supposed friends. You ever think about that? He spared them. Because they're the three, four that came and said, his wife, why don't you just curse God and die? I imagine he said, why didn't the devil let you go? And then his three friends come. You must have done something wrong. You must have... Man, how did y'all survive all the chaos? But here's what Job says. Job says, when I come forth from the fire, in other words, when God is done letting me go through the test, I will come forth as pure gold. And at the end of Job's life, God doubled everything that he had. And some people think, it was twice as good. When you allow God to prepare you, to prune you, and to do what He wants to do through you, He gets His glory. Go to verse 8, and I'll show you this last verse and show you why all of this was here. I'm sorry, but it takes a little while for me to preach this stuff. But you only get to see me once a week, so you got six days and you ain't got to see me. Some of y'all, faithful now, well, look out now, I'll see you in like three. Here's what he says in 15 and 8. But this, my Father, or by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my... You want to bring God glory? Then let Him take you through winter. You want to bring God glory? Let Him prune you. When He tries to wake you up in the morning and says, Hey, I want you to get up and read about, Oh God, it's so cold. I'm tired. Oh. Let Him prune you. In those winter moments of your life when He's trying to talk to you and trying to show you and trying to... When you're going through it, realize that spring's coming. There's never been a season. I've been here for 26 years. I've been through a lot of winters. Been through a lot of summers. A lot of falls, a lot of, a lot of seasons. But you know what? There's not a winter I've ever gone through that spring wasn't right around the corner. There's always a spring. And right now in your life, you may feel like, Brother Lot, I'm in the lowest, darkest, seems like the useless, most useless place I've ever been in my life. I don't feel, I don't feel like me and God are, are, are doing anything. And that just means spring's coming. But it also means God is trying to do something in you before it gets there. God had to do a lot in me because I'm fixing to next week, over the next few weeks, speak to 150 pastors. 
you know how much growing God had to do in my life before I felt confident to be able to stand in front of all of them? You think that just you think the guy that was over there twenty something years ago wanted to do that, or even the guy eight years ago? No. It's taken every season through all of these years. And even though I'm scared even now, God says, you're ready. There's enough in you, Tim. I've put enough in you. You've grown. You're stronger than you think. You can produce more fruit than you realize. But it took every day, every season to get here. Will you stand? Father, for that person right now that's in this room, maybe it's their marriage, maybe it's their job, maybe it's their health, but they feel like they're in the grips of winter. If they're in the grips of a season where it's like, I don't like this. I love it when I'm picking fruit. and I love it when everything's good. I even like it when leaves are on. At least I know something's coming. I don't like it right now. I feel like everything around me is dead. It's, nothing's working. God, would you let them realize that there are two things that you're doing in their life right now. God, you're trying to put the nutrients in them for the next season of their life. And you're trying to prune away the stuff that doesn't belong in their life right now. None of us like it. I don't like it. I don't like the battles I've had to go through here lately. I don't like some of the slip-ups and mess-ups and the get-back-ups. And God, you showed me in my life and areas. And Father, I'm thankful for it. Because I feel stronger now than I have in a long time. And I'm thankful for that. I hate that it takes these seasons, but God, I can't change them. I embrace the winter. And I let it do its course. And I let it do its job. So Father, for every person in this room that's gripped in a winter, will you allow, they just allow you to prune away maybe words or actions or prune away thoughts and prune away things that don't belong. And then, God, to put the nutrients in. Fill them with your word, your scriptures. Let them hunger to find words that give them encouragement and strength for whatever they're going through. So that God, when the leaves start growing again, they're ready for the next journey. And I praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go give that devil fit.